Welcome to Get It Done Entrepreneurs, where we talk with founders of companies who bet on themselves in one. My name is Rich Lebrun, and I am the founder and CEO of Lebrun Advisory Group. You can find us at rlebrun.com. Our mission is to help our clients build wealth through business ownership. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Our special guest today is Brian Davis. He is a founder of Home Helpers Home Care. Brian has been ensuring quality care for those in need for nearly 20 years. As former chief marketing officer for Edward Elmhurst Health, Brian helped to build a brand that people throughout the Chicago suburbs trust with their health and the health of their loved ones. As the owner of Home Helpers, he ensures that the same quality of care for those who wish to, wish to age at home, as well as others in need of in-home care. A licensed clinical social worker, Brian's wife, Dominica, also spent lifetime helping those in need with, with extensive experience in hospitals, schools, and in private counseling. She also provides value support to the, to the Home Helpers caregiving team. Brian is co-founder, vice president, and board member of the Legacy Guild, which we're going to learn about a little bit later, which is an organization that provides college scholarships to students throughout Lyons Township School District 204 who have suffered the loss of a parent. Brian and Dominica raised three sons in LaGrange, Illinois, where they are active in members in their community. With all that said, welcome, Brian. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rich. I am so pleased to be with you today on a beautiful day in Chicago. It's one of those few we get, so we're going to uh, enjoy <laughs> it. <laughs> but I agree with you. It is, it is a gorgeous day out here. Well, Brian, you, you and I got a chance to talk a little bit before the podcast, but also our listeners would love to know your story and, uh, and how you got into the business, uh, how you got involved in the company you're in now, uh, and a little bit of your background. The people that want to know how you got to where you are going today. That's awesome, Rich. I am I am so happy to uh, be on a podcast. I'm a uh, avid podcast listener and viewer. Um, how I built this is one of my favorite podcasts, and and I get inspiration from podcasts. So hopefully, someone will take one two ideas out of here, maybe get a teeny bit of inspiration, uh, because I was not an entrepreneur. As a matter of fact, I was I was a bit risk averse before I got involved in Home Helpers Home Care. And I'll take you back a little bit. I'm an Ohio guy I'm from Columbus, Ohio, and born and raised there, youngest of six kids. I graduated from Ohio State University. We didn't call it the Ohio State back say, then, Rich. It, it's not the no, Ohio no, State. No, no, I, I I stick with OSU or Ohio State. <laughs> uh, but uh, I graduated with a journalism degree. Uh, from Ohio State with an emphasis in public relations. And I was looking to get into national accounts. And I interviewed in New York. I was on my way to interview in LA. And uh, I figured I'd give Chicago a shot. And my cousin was living up here. And I interviewed with Hill and Knowlton Public Relations, got the job in 86, and everything uh, went from there. So I spent 12 years in the public relations world. I consulted to Kraft, Quaker Oats, did some fun stuff, worked with a ton of celebrities, did an event with the vice president of the United States, uh, with uh, many dignitaries, met some great people, consulted the Ronald McDonald House Charities International for six and a half years. And there's nothing like Ronald McDonald House, phenomenal charity. Uh, got to work with uh, 
yeah. Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley and uh, just just it was really exciting time. But I really I was working for lots of different clients and I was the outsider. I was the consultant. So from 86 to 98, that was my role. And then in 98, I wanted to dive into something. And so I went on the healthcare front. One of my uh, former Ronald McDonald House Charities International clients, Ken Barron, he was on the board of this local hospital called Edward Hospital. And I interviewed with the president, Pam Davis, and I worked for Pam for 18 years. I thought I'd go there for a couple of years, learn a few things, because I went from national branding, national public relations to very local you know, things. Uh, but I met all these wonderful vocational people, and I felt like I was making a difference. Uh, but again, I wasn't, I, I, I'm risk averse. It was, it was a very community oriented job. Um, it wasn't, a, I wouldn't call it a corporate job because there was a lot of entrepreneurism within that job. Pam Davis demanded us uh, to come up with innovative concepts and ideas. And uh, I really felt that pressure in a good way. And I also had people who I worked with uh, say, hey, you have lots of ideas. Why aren't you implementing them outside of here? And I just never had the guts to. And sometimes, Rich, things come to you and sometimes you create things. Well, things came to me and Pam retired and uh, I got retired. Uh, <laughs> and, and that was in uh, February of 2017. And I had a great run at Edward Elmer's Tell. Phenomenal organization. As a matter of fact, I still use Edward Elmer's Tell for workers' compensation cases. And as I got laid off from there in February 2017, I was looking at some jobs in healthcare marketing. The jobs that uh, I wanted looked at me and said, oh, that's really nice. You're a 52-year-old washed-up healthcare marketing guy. That's not what I was, but that's what I felt like they were thinking. Sure. And the jobs that wanted me, I didn't want them. And it just wasn't working out. I thought, I need to buy a company. I need to invest in myself. And I had that uh, connection with McDonald's, you made, as I just mentioned. Sure. So I was at three owner-operators conventions, new McDonald's owner-operators, really respected them. I loved that they wanted to be part of McDonald's, but they ran their own business. And that got me thinking. And I used my coaching at outplacement because I told you I got laid off. And I kind of investigated... And I remember one of the outpatient or outplacement people saying, oh, you don't want to do that. You need a job. And I said, no, no, that's what I want to do. And my coach, she was very supportive. And I started looking at opportunities and I did networking. So when you're looking like me, I was 52, I think I'm 58 now. I think I was 52. And I'm like, what am I going to do? I had two kids in college, one out of college. And I met this guy named Mike Depke. And I met him one floor below. I've since moved upstairs here. And I had a 15-minute meet and greet with Mike Depke. He and Mary Depke had started Home Helpers in the western suburbs of Chicago. And our 15-minute meet and greet turned into an hour and 15 minutes of how are we going to solve the problem of 10,000 people turning 65 every day in this country for how many years? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then... I'm looking at Mike at the end of, end of the hour, and I'm like, how old are you? He's like, what do you mean, how old am I? He's 10 years older than me. Sorry, Mike, I just told your age publicly. <laughs> um, and I'm like, I want to come back and talk to you. Have you thought about retiring? I want to get involved in this business. It, it, is, it is healthcare, but non-medical. 
So I didn't need, I was not a clinical person. I'm still not a clinical person, but I had a lot of healthcare experience. Direct to consumer marketing was a big component of it. Relationship building, community relations is and was a huge component of it for Mike and for me. And he was like me. He was a former marketing branding guy that had been successful. So I kind of looked at him and I'm like, I want to be you in 10 years, you know, doing well, started his business 2005 with Mary. I, I, I should mention Mary Depke, his wife, partners all the way, registered nurse. She did a ton on operations. He was more on the business side. And it took me nine months of not just negotiating, but working with Mike, getting my SBA 7A loan, mm -hmm. which for a risk averse person, let me tell you, <laughs> uh, you know, leveraging your house and all you own to take that big step, extremely nerve wracking. And you've got to have your family on board. And my family was on board. My, my three sons who are now 29, 25, 23, Blaze, Noah, and Grady, they're like, dad, you've been sitting in meetings and not as happy as you should be at your job for a couple of years. They're doing you a favor, you know, sending you to the next thing that you're going to. And my wife looked at me in the middle of uh, 2017. I had a couple of potential job opportunities. She goes, you don't want these jobs. I'm like, no, I don't. She goes, well, Am I allowed to curse on air? Sorry. Darn it. I'll, I'll edit it. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it, she said. Well, then if you're going to go for this, then go for it and do it right so that if it doesn't work out, then you get a job. Yeah. And then six months later, we closed on it. Um, got some good lessons on that, on how to work with a potential uh, seller too, if we can get into that at some point. Yeah, actually, it's a good segue. So but I want to kind of recapture 52. Yeah. Okay. Uh, involuntarily put into the marketplace uh, and sometimes grateful in hindsight. Um, came, went to a completely different industry, although you were kind of in that space in, from a different posture. And then um, kids in college and went all in. Now, come yeah. on, that's, that's a formula for something, right? Gives me, it still gives me a little bit of goosebumps, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> and so now you've done it. So now you're there. But that, so I want to ask you a couple of questions. So it's what, eight, six, eight years later. I'm, I'm five. I'm closing in on five years. Okay. Five years later. Now, looking back, is there anything that you would say I would have done differently? Sure. Absolutely. Um I think going into a uh, new company, so I, I, bought, I bought a train that was moving. I had 180 employees when I bought the company. So that's a, that's a big train. It's a big train. And uh, I remember we're a franchise. Home Helpers of Hinsdale is a franchise of Home Helpers Home Care. Mm -hmm. And I remember meeting with the CEO, Emma Dickinson, and she's like, hey, this wasn't for sale you know it was run well by Mike and Mary Depke, who did a great job. Don't do anything for the first six months. Watch, listen. And I paid attention pretty much, but I also got ahead of myself on a couple things. And I oversold a couple things. We had a new software system that we had to use from the corporate perspective. And it's a very good software, it's called WellSky. Mm -hmm. But I thought it would do more things 
uh, in that first year after it came to be. And my staff's like, yeah, mm -hmm. we like this old system. And I <laughs> oversold the new classic, classic yeah. change management 101. <laughs> and I, I was so excited. I, I, I bought my business. And so I would say, you know, don't oversell. And, and also, I didn't get coaching quick enough for the team. I think I waited two years, maybe, maybe. I can't remember the exact date, but when we finally did some uh, DISC methodology, I'm not sure if you're familiar with DISC or Myers-Briggs yeah, or whatever, yeah, very much whatever, so. whatever you use. Yeah. And, and that was really helpful breaking through because, you know, I worked 18 years at one place and had certain ways of doing things. And guess what? I wasn't the doer in many respects. I was an executive vice president, right? Right. And now I'm the guy posting the social media posts. <laughs> I'm the guy, the community relations director wasn't reporting to me. I am the community relations director. And so getting coaching early on, I think is really important. And I think not throwing yourself into changing too much, unless you're buying a company because it absolutely needs flipped sure. and turned and changed. But if you've got a pretty well-run organization, listen, 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 then make your changes. You know, it's interesting in the franchise space, and that's the space I specialize in, the two reasons franchisees fail is one, they're undercapitalized. They didn't have enough money set aside to, you know, navigate the ups and downs of life. And the other one is they don't like to follow a system and uh, they buy McDonald's, they're trying to sell hot dogs and can't figure out why it doesn't work. Right, right. But but everybody does that. We all bring in our flair or flavor or whatever you want to do. Uh, and so you- Foibles, you, foibles and flair. Of course, of <laughs> course. You know, we, of course we could do it better. Of course we can. And uh, even in my business, the same thing. I, I could roll the clock back. I could have saved my six months, sell six months if I just would have been patient and watched the watch the, uh, the play uh, play out. And the- but on the other hand, you did some good things too, and you've been successful. So, any, any key decisions that you can think of that have been con that contribute to your success? You know, I I think the biggest uh, thing that I did was uh, the broad based experience I have from the hospital system. I was not a deep expert in anything but marketing, but I listened at my old job and I applied a lot of the. HR principles that I learned around the table. I applied a lot of the operational things that I had learned around the table. I tapped into other resources. I talked to other home helpers owners like crazy. We have a Chicagoland co-op of a terrific group of owners in Chicagoland. I tapped into them. I also had Mike Depke, the form, former owner, consulting to me for that first year. Oh, smart. He was invaluable. So was Mary, his wife. So I'd run it. I'd run up against something. He go, Brian, you got this. It, it was so I'd lose a little bit of confidence. We'd lose a couple twenty four seven clients. You're right. It, it hit to the revenues. Like Brian, I lost three in twenty sixteen. You're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. um, so he also gave me really good counsel too, and I really felt like that was a you know key uh, thing for me was to have you know, Mike in person for a couple months and then being able to text or call or email him. And he agreed with me 95% of the time. Yeah, you're doing the right thing. But I had someone to bounce things off of. And I also had the Chicagoland co-op who were 10 plus years owners, 10 plus year owners, 10 plus year, you know, 
So really experienced people that I could tap into. And I brought some new stuff to the party to them too. So I kind of reinvigorated them because they've been doing it a while. So we get to the co-op meeting. I'm, why are we doing this? Like, I don't know. We tried that, but let's try it again. And we, we've implemented a couple things that I brought to the table and they've helped me uh, tremendously as well. Well, you know, you were wise enough to heed other wise, wise counsel. Absolutely. You know, a lot of people wanted just to run the run the play themselves. And so uh, that was a great move. Great move. Great, uh, great idea. Now, I'm going to take a little commercial break here, and then I'm going to jump back into the second part of the, of the interview. But two things. You, you know, you mentioned that uh, the home health care system, I'd like you to define that because it's kind of sometimes pigeonholed and people don't really understand exactly who those customers are. You also made a statistic, 10,000 people turn 65 every day. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll talk about those things so we get a little bit clearer about exactly what you do. But also, I want to also give you an opportunity to talk about this Legacy Guild, too, which is a passion. Terrific. All right. You got it. So I think it's really important for your listeners, your viewers, to understand what home care is. Home care is typically private duty. You pay by the hour to have someone come into wherever you call home. It's typically an older adult that you're going to serve. And you're sending a caregiver, an in-home care worker into that home to help them with non-medical, typically, activities of daily living, whether that's eating, toileting, showering, companionship, dementia care, dementia slash Alzheimer's care, post-stroke care. So home health is more paid for by insurance, by Medicare, by Medicaid, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy. There are some home health companies who also have a private duty home care division, but there's more home care companies and home health that are their individual businesses. So if mom or dad, for instance, has a stroke, knock on wood, right? My dad had a stroke back in March and he's recovering mm -hmm. well, but immediately we knew he needed home health to go back into the facility, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy. But if your loved one needed a little bit additional help, whether living in a facility, independent living or assisted living, or even skilled or living at home, then our caregivers come in and help them. And these caregivers, I think that the biggest, uh, it's not a surprise at all, but the biggest thing that motivates me is that our caregivers and our office staff is so vocational. So the people you're going to run into in home care, they want to help other human beings. And that's what that's what motivates me on a daily basis. Um, that's what drives me. And that's what you can expect from, from having a caregiver in your home. It's someone who really wants to connect one-on-one -on -one with another human being and make their life easier. Our whole motto at Home Helpers is helping make life easier for seniors wherever they call home. Helping make their life easier. And... A lot of times, Rich, we're helping uh, families become families again, because all of a sudden, you, me as a 58-year-old is helping mom or dad who's eight in their 80s and 90s, and whether it's toileting or showering, and you're not getting to have that time you used to have where you're really talking about old times and, and being a son or daughter to them. You're being more almost like a caregiver in a way, and they're like, hey. I'd rather have someone else do this. Let's you be my son and daughter again. So mm -hmm. we help families be families again too. 
And, I, yeah. and by the way, I'm not knocking people who do caregiving for their families. God bless them. It is very, it's it's a it's a vocational thing. And I'm so glad so many people uh, are able to do that as well. Well, we're experiencing that. My mother-in-law is 94. She's in assisted living, but I watch all the caregivers that come and take care of her. Uh, and it's it's a it's an art. It's strictly it, art. It's, it comes from the heart. And uh, I just uh, am grateful every day for people who have that heart. So jump into uh, this legacy guild. So I love the I love business. I love businesses that have uh, what I always say a bigger vision in life. Uh, and usually it's another cause in life that helps maybe incorporate your business and your leadership. So tell us about the Legacy Guild. Well, uh, first of all, it starts with my wife, Dominica, and my parents, right? Our parents, uh, three of the four are still alive. They were volunteers. They were involved in the community. They showed us the way, right? So Dominica and I, naturally, and our kids have taken it up as well, just being part of the community and volunteering and doing things, that's just part of the way I grew up. So that that's, I, I was supposed to do that. And yeah. when we got to LaGrange, and LaGrange, LaGrange is an amazing town. My wife and I moved here from downtown Chicago in 95. We established roots here. We live in the same house, same block, great friends and neighbors. Uh, there are some terrific local nonprofits in LaGrange and in the surrounding communities. Um, you have Pillars Community Health. You have uh, interfaith community partners, aging care connections. I got involved in the Legacy Guild because a few of our friends passed away and we started a fellowship group. And out of that fellowship group, a few of the guys said, we got to do more for the kids and the surviving spouse left behind. So we created a nonprofit in 2012. We thought we'd give away a few scholarships. Well, fast forward to 2022, we've given away 1.5 million dollars in college scholarships for kids in our district who've lost a parent. And even more than that, we've helped, and it wasn't me, it was it was all the supporters, the board members, uh, the local realtors, the local business people, like, oh my gosh, we can get, we can get, we can, you know, be involved in this cause. Home Helpers in the last five years has been a sponsor every year for the Legacy Guild. The Legacy Guild continues to grow. Other communities are asking how they can get involved. If you want to get involved in the Legacy Guild, go to thelegacyguild.com. That's simple, thelegacyguild.com. You'll see our website. We've got a big golf outing coming up that Home Helpers is a sponsor too. So we're really excited about it. What a beautiful thing. And what a, what a needed thing today. You know, college is so expensive. Oh my for, gosh. For any family, let alone to lose a family member. Uh, uh, it's really hard. So my hat's off to you and my uh, support will be there for you as well. Shout out to right. Jack. Jack Dedans, one of my friends. He's the one. He was the impetus. He got guys together. So we got to do something. So hats off to him. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. OK. You mentioned something else in our earlier discussion, which actually plays right perfectly into the second half of this interview. Today, we are facing crazy headwinds. Uh, everybody knows it, sees it, feels it. Labor, supply chain, recession, war, pandemic, politics. Throw them all at the same time we got them in 2022. You're a company of 180 employees. Or maybe maybe you're more now. I'm not sure, but that was the number I heard. Um, so labor has got to be front and center for you. Okay, So our listeners are asking themselves, how are you? How are you personally staying focused 
during this headwind? Is it time to retreat, adjust, move forward, invest, adapt? And then let's pick one specific thing, labor, because you are a very high labor intensive business. Absolutely. So tell us, tell us how you're how you're doing. So it is a challenge. It is an absolute challenge every single day uh, because we want great caregivers. We have some caregivers who've been with us for 15 years and we have some caregivers who've been with us for 15 days, but two thirds or more have been with us a couple years or more. But we still have a lot of caregivers who've retired or when COVID hit, I don't wanna work during COVID or I can't work during COVID. I gotta take care of my grandma. I gotta take care of my mother. I gotta take care of my kids. So we've had to adjust. And the one thing that you have to have is persistence and perseverance because you are going to get turned down by people. You are going to have caregivers who are no call, no shows to your interviews. It's going to happen. You may have 15 interviews scheduled a day and three people show up and you, you can say, oh, I can't believe those people committed to whatever. Well, guess what? These people are trying to make a living. They're getting called by five and six other agencies, probably, probably every week. Our job, our job is to separate ourselves from the other agencies by treating them well, paying them well, and being a place that is a family atmosphere, atmosphere that they can connect to. I'll give you an example. We just had a caregiver who wasn't getting the hours that she wanted. She said, Brian, I'm going to be able to make more money somewhere else, better hours. And I said, God bless you. You, you do what you got to do. And she called back a few days later and said, I, I want to work for you guys on the weekends. I said, great. We'd love to have you on the weekends. She goes, because I really want to feel like I'm still part of your company because of how you guys do things, because of how you recognize employees, because I know the owner, because I know your recruiter. I know the care manager. I know the people there. The other company, they're just kind of there. And I got to make a little bit more money, but I still want to work for you guys too. So it's creating a culture of recognition and caring. Um, it is so important we you know all the little things whether it's the, the the birthday card the birthday call the birthday text that we do for every caregiver it is when the chips are down we have caregivers who are in tough spots we have a caregiver right now whose daughter is going through horrible cancer we're we are going to call that person we we, just, we are it's crushing you know mm -hmm. it's part it's like it's part of us right with her uh trying to help her through it, no matter what, sending her a Grubhub gift card, whatever whatever we can do, calling her, telling her we care. And that is what our staff, our, we have a great office staff of, you know, <clears throat> six, six folks, seven folks here who are amazing. My wife and I thank ourselves every day that we got a great office staff um, who can then support the caregivers. But um, but, but getting back to your, your question, perseverance, don't take it personally when people don't show up to interviews. Create a culture that when you get them, keep them. That sounds so simple, but they preach that from Home Helpers Corporate. We know that works. And watch the new employees right away. Cultivate, follow up first day, second day, first week, second week, because they'll bail on you in the first 60 to 90 days. If you're a caregiver, you're not feeling the love, you're not getting the hours you want, they've got other choices. Sure. They got other choices. You know, there's been studies out there, I think, going back over 50 years. They do it every year. The top 10 things that employees are looking for. And it always starts out, the very first one is they want to feel a part of something. Yeah. And the number 10 is pay. 
now when pay becomes number one is when they're, they're unhappy with yeah. their environment. So in some ways, it's very difficult out there to navigate. But the other way, the principles are simple. Treat them right. Like I said, you, like you said, treat them right, pay them right, treat them like a family, build a nice culture. And then you're still going to have a turnover, but you're going to you're going to glean the people who really really enjoy being part of your family. So, yeah. and I can feel, I can sense that in the way you express that. But what about you personally? You're a CEO, okay? You uh, wake up every morning. You're responsible for 180 some people, their families. It's a big responsibility. You you wake you read the same newspapers or on your tablet or whatever we watch today. Uh, what are you doing for yourself to stay current, disciplined, focused? So. I tell my kids this every day, mental health, physical health. That starts. You've got to take care of yourself mentally and take enough breaks as you possibly can. Um, I think that tapping into the employee assistance program, having an employee assistance program, being able to uh, admit when you need help and get help. I'm a high anxiety guy. I, I'm a professional worrier, which makes me really good at my job sometimes. <laughs> Probably drives my staff crazy sometimes, right? But thank God my wife's a licensed clinical social worker because when I first started in my career and I was having really severe anxiety, I got help. And I never forget my first therapist saying, hey, here's what I hear. And he, he said, this is a not good person. I'm like, you're not listening. He goes, no, this is this is who you are. You're, you're wired for wanting to do better. And you got to be patient. You got to learn to breathe. And I needed to exercise and watch my weight. So that's first and foremost. You got to take care of yourself. My wife and I exercise four or five times a week. And I she's hard to keep up with, man. Yeah. She's very hard to keep up with. And I got it. I do my I do the best I can. So waking up every day and trying to be mentally, I, I do a lot of reading. Um, I try to meditate when I can. Um, I try to take mental breaks. Exercise is so important to me. And when I come into the office, I have the right staff in place that if I go away for a week or two, I don't, I don't have to check email and phones and whatever. Yeah. They, they're, they're operating the business. I'm, when I tell caregivers, I'm the referee, part referee, part coach. I'm allowed to throw a flag every once in a while to make sure everybody's doing the right thing. I'm allowed to coach every once in a while. And I'm also allowed to step back and go away for a week and the place will continue and run sometimes more sometimes better when we're not there <laughs> absolutely I, you know when the business grows and i'm not there i come back they're like <laughs> I, okay. I love it i love it all right so last last things some of our listeners are people who are in corporate america thinking about jumping out maybe voluntarily maybe involuntarily yeah yeah it could happen either way Either way, and the other ones are owners already of businesses are saying, you know what, should I should I invest in this time, uh, create another revenue stream, should I retreat? Speak to them. What would you tell them for today? I, I'd say I'd say the biggest pros of doing what I did is I'm my own boss. I, I didn't want to have a boss anymore. I mean, clients are your boss, caregivers are your boss in a way, but I feel, I feel way more empowered than I have been. Even though I quote, you know, had the title, whatever. We had eight thousand employees couple thousand volunteers, couple thousand doctors is a big ship. I'm running this. You know, I, I, I'm making the final calls. They're operating it, but I at least get to feel like I'm making the final decision on things. And, and when it succeeds, man, I get that thrill more so than I did even at the hospital. I loved when we succeeded at the hospital. I, I was, I get pumped up when things would go well. 
but I feel it even more so knowing that I, my name's on the door. Yeah. I, I feel it even more so. And I also, uh, you know, you got to get into a business that you feel extremely comfortable with. Rich, I was at a Christmas party two years ago or three years ago, right before COVID. My wife, Dominic, and I looked around the room. We were taking care of six of our friends' parents. No kidding. From home helpers. And we're like, I'm in the right business. Yeah. So it's 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 vocational to me. And I'll tell you one more quick story. My buddy Brad's mom passed away in 2018. I'd had the business for five months. I go to the funeral. Brad gets up to the pulpit. You have, you know, five minutes to encapsulate 80 years. He said, my mom had severe Alzheimer's. She's in a better place. We want to thank her caregivers, including Celestine. It's up in Milwaukee. Celestine, he points in the pews behind me. Celestine stands up. We're all clapping. I'm looking. I'm like, I'm in the right business. Yeah. Think yeah. of that. You Where you can, you can, you know, it's not perfect. Our caregivers aren't perfect. I'm not perfect. Our staff is perfect. But when it works and people feel like, wow, you've helped someone who's vulnerable in a very difficult time. I kind of feel like a surgeon. I don't have the skills of a surgeon, but a surgeon who does surgery on someone and they get better. And you're like, wow, I, I healed somebody. I'm not doing the healing. The caregivers are the opposite. Right. Is, but I get that extemporaneous feeling that we've helped somebody at a very difficult time. Well, how much more rewarding can it get than making a difference in somebody's life? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Brian, this has been fantastic. I know our listeners are going to be learning a lot from you. Uh, and again, I, I kind, of, we kind of laugh involuntarily. Thank you to that boss at that time I retired because you wouldn't be here today, right? Uh, and I, tell, and, and I, still, I still use my own old company. I love people never know ourselves. <laughs> That's great. Well, thanks again for, uh, on behalf of all our listeners, for taking time out of your busy day to get a chance to share your wisdom with those who uh, listen to the podcast. This podcast will be put on all podcast platforms here over the next couple of weeks. So please share that with everybody out there that you know. And so you can learn from Brian and what he's done in his business. Brian, I, again, have a great day. It was a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much. And just Google Home Helpers of Hinsdale if you want to know more about us. Yeah, is there not just do that's the easiest way? Home, easiest way. Home helpers, home care of Hinsdale. And or if you Google Brian Davis, home helpers, I'll pop right in on uh, LinkedIn as well. Very good. Thanks again. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Rich. Rich LeBron here. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast, Get It Done Entrepreneurs. If you are a successful business owner who would like to be on this program, please visit us at rlebrun.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form and we will reach out to you. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag GetItDoneEntrepreneurs. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, rlebrun.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time.